Welcome to Human Rights Live, a series of podcasts produced by the Human Rights Media Center and your host, Epifani Mukusano. The first season in 2023 consists of four podcasts focused on the key challenges impacting on the rights of asylum seekers and refugees living in South Africa. We look at positive developments while highlighting obstacles still to be overcome. Episode two is called You Can't Be a Refugee Forever. World Refugee Day is celebrated on the 20th of June each year. It honors the courage, resilience and considerable contributions that refugees make to their host countries. Refugee status is temporary and in this podcast, the Human Rights Media Center explores naturalization as one of three durable solutions to end refugeehood. Naturalization is the long-term integration of refugees in the host or resettled country. Listen in to hear how South Africa is faring. I have I had to come by. I had to talk to someone. I have just come from the new Cape Town refugee in center Epping. Now I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm sick of this refugee life. Getting documents here is, is a problem. Getting a decent job is impossible. Even if I'm qualified a teacher from DRC. My children, they do not who they are. They ask me many questions that I'm not able to answer. Ah, AP, you cannot be refugeeing forever. It is time for me to look somewhere else. Maybe in Australia or Canada. I have just had enough. This is Marie Rose. She comes into the Human Rights Media Center's office in Salt River on a windy winter afternoon. She has been in South Africa for 21 years now. And once again, her application for certification, the first step towards refugee naturalization in South Africa, has been stalled. As she tells me about it, her eyes fill with tears. She's a good friend, and it takes a while for her words to sink in. It makes me so sad to hear it, but it's true. Although South Africa signed both the United Nations Refugee Convention and the OAU Refugee Convention, which make it clear that no one should remain a refugee forever, Nothing about the laws or the application process seems to support this sentiment. A week later, I am with Professor Fatima Khan, director of the University of Cape Town Refugee Rights Unit. Her starting point is that South Africa chose to include Article 34 of the United Nations Refugee Convention in our Refugees Act. 
This convention, drafted 72 years ago in 1951, recognizes that no one should remain a refugee forever. And because of that, they've included Article 34 in our laws, which allows for naturalization or becoming a full South African citizen after spending a number of years as a refugee. So as long ago, as long ago as that, it was already recognized that nobody should remain a refugee forever. It was recognized as inhumane. And it is because of that that we have in our domestic law, um, in most domestic laws, we will find that there is a clause that allows for naturalization. In South Africa, we have such a clause as well. And what are the steps for refugees to be naturalized in South Africa? It, it is unfortunately a very complicated process in South Africa. Uh, for a refugee to reach naturalization, they have to take many steps. And these steps involve many different aspects of our law. Firstly, refugee law. Secondly, immigration law. And then also our citizenship laws. So the whole citizenship application straddles across three pieces of legislation. And because of that, it is very, very complicated. The laws that Fatima is referring to are the Refugees Act, the Immigration Act, and the South African Citizenship Act. In the first instance, in terms of refugee law, a refugee must be able to prove that they will remain a refugee indefinitely. Now, that whole concept of time to prove something indefinitely, it's, it's an almost impossible thing to do. How can anyone prove that they will remain a refugee indefinitely? So even though it states that they must remain refugees indefinitely in our law, our regulations and the interpretation by the Standing Committee has been a fair one. They are no longer looking at it from an indefinite point of view, but rather than in the foreseeable future. Can you foresee for how long the conditions in your country will remain that bad that you will remain a refugee? So, foreseeable future is seen as the next two, three, maybe four years. One of the tasks of the Standing Committee for Refugee Affairs is to assess the eligibility of refugees for South African citizenship. The outcome of the deliberations is called certification, which comes as a letter confirming that the refugee has provided documents that successfully show that circumstances in his or her home country are not safe and unlikely to change in the next few years. So, Although this is a step forward in the interpretation of the law, there is a catch. The time period before refugees could apply for certification used to be five years, which was reasonable. But in terms of the amendments, South Africa has now extended that period to 10 years. And 10 years puts refugees in a protracted situation. 
because by the time they receive refugee status in South Africa, they may already have been here for 10 years. So I find in our experience here at the office that sometimes people are in South Africa for 20 years before they become eligible for just for the step one, which is certification. And then to explain why you will remain a refugee indefinitely, even though you've already been a refugee for 20 years. Very difficult. And that application, that application to prove that your life is still in danger and that you cannot return home is often met with rejection by the standing committee. That puts you into another legal process where you have to argue why your status should not be withdrawn. But let's say you are successful at that stage. Let's say you are granted certification. That's just step one. That's step one in the Refugees Act. Now you have to go to the Immigration Act. And in the Immigration Act, see, it is a process where you have to prove that I have been here for so long, um, I've got police clearance, etc. Just a number of uh, biographical and data requirements that you must meet. It's not an assessment. It shouldn't be an assessment at that stage. And once you have your permanent residence, in previous years, you could apply for citizenship in five years. Now you can't. Now you have to wait another 10 years before you can apply for citizenship. So by the time somebody ends up being a citizen, you could have been here for 30 years. The case of Comrade Lumumba illustrates what Fatima is saying. He left southern Cameroon for South Africa in 1999 because his ethical and political position towards a united Cameroon made it untenable for him to remain there. His experience of seeking asylum in South Africa has, however, been very different from his expectation. Yeah, I couldn't do anything back home, so actually I had to seek solace in South Africa because I believe that South Africa was was uh, free at that time because uh, when we were back home, we actually knew about the struggle of South Africa. Being South Africa, being liberated, you know, that as a new home and being in Africa, it was easy to come here. So, you came in 1999, and when were you granted refugee status? My uh, 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 refugee status was a, a speedy thing. I went to home first around January that I came, but by, uh, I think, uh, by September 1999, I had my refugee status. Mm -hmm. So, that was like oh, two years, then it went to four years, and then... By what the status said, after five years or, or, or you know, renewing it, you 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 go to to like permanent resident, and then if you want to naturalize, that was like oh that was easy, and you know that with that you could easily navigate yourself, do what you want to do. Um, but uh, it hasn't been because I've been here twenty years old and uh, nothing like a permanent resident. It has been. The chop and changing of laws, even the paper that they give you, the A4 that they give you, is a struggle for you to even have an ID. And uh, it, it, it is baffling because 
the system, we don't make these papers. They give us this paper from home affairs, which is a recognized institution. But when you go out there, they look at it as it's an alien paper. So on paper, it looks simple, but practically uh, it's, it's really something that uh, you can't really understand. I will not say I've done this education. I've, I've sent in all my my documents to the standing committee and even seek the assistance of pro bono lawyers who, who have really tried to uh, fast track the process. And they say there's a lot of backlog. Backlog is like a middle name of what is going on in the home affairs. The backlog, the standing committee, they said, or one of the standing committee members, there are three, one has been removed, they will still have to meet. And that has been dragged in for years. So I don't have certification. So my, my last hope is South Africa to get this traveling document so that I can do some work, not only for South Africa, but the continent as large, because we need a lot to do in the continent to, to, to travel around and work. But uh, I, I'm, I am in a, in, in a confined prison that I'm free, but I can't because I can't travel. Lumumba's sense of alienation from his original home country and yet being imprisoned in South Africa is heartbreaking, especially as he has to travel in other parts of Africa for work purposes. He feels like an alien in his own continent. But he also identifies some deep truths. Naturalization in South Africa sounds simple on paper, but in practice, it bears no resemblance to its promise. The legislation chops and changes, and delays are blamed endlessly on backlogs, and more recently, COVID. Just as Lumumba faced multiple obstacles in his attempts at certification in South Africa, so did my friend and ex-colleague Chantal, who arrived in South Africa in 1997 and acquired refugee status in 2000 after a three-year wait. By the time she applied for certification, she had been in South Africa for nine years. In her case, certification was refused, and she was threatened with her refugee status being revoked. The requirements to get a permanent residence was to finish five years after you get your status, the refugee status. After five years, which was in 2006, I have applied for permanent residency. Uh, I, when I applied for certification, uh, I was rejected and I was rece I received a letter called intent to withdraw my status. Uh, it was difficult for me. I appealed, write so many letters, I went to see a lawyer to help me. And I went back and they started to renew my status again. So my status was renewed until 2018, when I had 21 years in South Africa, uh, is how it, it takes. I didn't have a chance to apply for naturalization because I had first to have 
a permanent residency, that was the process. This uncertainty which Chantal and her family faced is one of the cruelest aspects of a system that continuously amends its legislation. In this case, her application for certification even resulted in the family's refugee status being threatened. After 21 years, her family chose to look for resettlement in another country in their case, Canada. And three months ago, they became Canadian citizens. I asked her what else led to their decision to leave South Africa. Uh, I remember um, there was a big xenophobia, um, which was there, and we had to move. We were afraid. We applied for the sentiment in the third country. Uh, I think it was 2010, uh, but we, it, uh, it was not successful to get a resentment. So I heard that in Canada, you can do uh, family reunification. When I spoke to my member of the family, I said, oh, when you have a status from the country, refugee status, Canada actually can reunite you with your family. I said, oh, okay, that's where I start the process to central to Canada, that's how I got to Canada. I also spoke to Specios, a single mother who resettled in Canada with her daughter Marilyn after 12 years in South Africa. She had endured many unemployment hardships in Cape Town and had direct experience of xenophobic violence. Specios has never even reached the point of applying for permanent residence in South Africa. In contrast to the complicated and elusive South African process, she completed her Canadian documentation while in South Africa and attended a three-day orientation in Cape Town. When she and her daughter arrived in Canada, they were already permanent residents. From that date, it would take three years exactly for them to be granted Canadian citizenship. How reassuring that must have been. Specios explains. Yeah, the law here to get a, a citizenship, uh, the law uh, is saying that after uh, 1,096 days, yeah, then you can apply for, for, for it. What an incredible thing that is. 1,000 and 96 days, and you are invited to attend a citizenship ceremony in Canada. It amazes me. When I ask her what she looks forward to most, she replies, Citizenship. 
yeah will i will be able to travel to come back to visit south africa i can even visit my country i can go anywhere i want if i'm able to to do so and to have a citizenship it is like a second identity because because in my in my country it is difficult to go back when we we are still uh, are refugee and yet the process of leaving a second home south africa after two decades was also painful for Chantal and her daughter Aurora. Uh, to the center in Canada, actually, uh, South Africa is a country that I like and it's, it's got a culture that I like. I'm African, really. I embrace the culture of South Africa. It was difficult to pack up leaving a country after 21 years. It was not that easy, and you build a relationship with your friends, and uh, and also you studied there. Uh, but the challenges were so many that I had to pack quickly uh, and and leave the country to 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 seek for the opportunity in the third country. After twenty one years, twenty years, I was still under refugee status with. That refugee status, it was hard to get a job because wherever you go, they will ask you green ID. And the other challenge, which was there, there was a challenge of discrimination and xenophobia. What is it that is going wrong in South Africa? I asked myself. How can it be so seamless in Canada? I asked Fatima Khan to tell me about some of the obstacles faced by refugees who have come for help with certification applications to the UCT Law Clinic. Yeah, there are, there are certainly a number of obstacles that are just in the process of making the application for certification. There are a number of obstacles. Firstly, when you make your application, you're required to submit copies of all your refugee status that you have um, that you have been granted over the years. Sometimes the refugees may have misplaced some of the earlier documents and are unable to find it. So you have to make a, a legal application in terms of access to information to the standing committee and get that document from them just to make the application so that the document can go back to them. So that that's a massive obstacle. That then there is the obstacle of undue delay by the Department of Film Affairs. We have, for example, made applications um, in 2015, 2016, that is eight, nine years ago. And despite our best efforts, we are still waiting on an outcome for the certification application. And conditions and conditions change and situations in countries change. So your case may age out, which means we have to make a fresh application at this point. And we are we are in the process of 
challenging the standing committee for this undue delay, for this unreasonable delay. Everything cannot be blamed on COVID. So that's an obstacle. Another major obstacle that we have come across is that there are a number of refugees in South Africa with expired permits through no fault of their own. Right? That you know for a fact. Either the offices were closed or they went on the day and they weren't assisted, etc., etc., because of the operation at home affairs, their permits are expired. And because of that, they are forced to go to a full court process. They are lucky if they get an attorney who can represent them. A lot of the times, refugees don't have attorneys and they just plead guilty. But the minute you plead guilty to that kind of offence, then you have a criminal record. And if you have a criminal record, everything stops for you. Because if you have a criminal record, you will never be granted permanent residence in South Africa. Unless you now go back to court and explain that it wasn't a crime, that it was an administrative uh, bungle, whatever the case may have been. So that's another process. It is, as I said right at the beginning, the entire process is complicated, but in my understanding, it is deliberately made complicated. It's not, it is not a rollout and a welcome to people to say, even though you've been here for 30 years, you can now apply for permanent residence or for citizenship. It's not that. They continue, they being the Department of Home Affairs, continue to make it very difficult. This is a chilling thought that the Department of Home Affairs has deliberately made the process difficult and the lives of refugees uncomfortable. It makes me wonder why this might be. Being a refugee for more than two decades is indeed deeply discouraging, disadvantaging, if not inhumane. Your rights and many of your life opportunities are curtailed from work opportunities, schooling and further study, and a wide range of other rights. And yet, occasionally, a ray of hope breaks through. I got a call from a friend today whose family has been in Cape Town since 1998. We celebrated over the phone because his son Felix has miraculously and wonderfully got closer to being naturalized. I felt I had to make contact with him and listened with joy as he told me about the induction ceremony he attended at the Department of Home Affairs a few weeks ago. He was 12 years old when he arrived with his family as asylum seekers. So it's been almost 25 years. Today, he's upbeat about the experience as I ask him how it feels. Mm, yes, it's a, bit, it's a bit of a strange situation because I think most of my life I was in purgatory or in limbo. Because I'm not really, I'm not a citizen of South Africa, but I'm not a citizen and 
I'm from Rwanda, but I really have very, very little no ties or actually no ties to Rwanda. So there's no sense of belonging anywhere. And that's the one big problem that refugees, especially refugees or asylum seekers, because they, some, some of them, you know, they renounce their citizenship, particularly refugees. And from then on, it's just being stuck, being in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so the induction firstly talks about that and distinguishes those kinds of citizenship and essentially also equips us with the knowledge if you want to understand a little bit better um, of some of the obligations and requirements of citizens in the country what you're allowed, what you can't do, what the new privileges are now that you're a citizen and some of the things that you need to know, whether it's uh, some iconographies or even things like um, flags, understanding well, well, what does it mean, understanding the national anthem, uh, understanding the constitution, essentially, yeah, the all the all the material that every citizen should should know to sort of be a, a good citizen in South Africa. I'm interested in your experience of the process to reach naturalization. Can you tell us about it? The final step for me wasn't that complicated, but the the steps leading up to that, getting permanent residence, complicated, hellishly complicated, everything, just the whole home affairs experience is just a bit of a nightmare for most uh, foreign nationals. So... I think it's obviously quicker processing of asylums and especially asylum seekers to refugees. That is the biggest hurdle. I think if, if that could be shortened and could be streamlined, that would really make uh, the lives of many people, uh, it would it offer a respite and I think a sense of a clear sense of direction much earlier because being an asylum seeker is the worst. It, the quicker that can happen and essentially narrow down. So it's, it must be a lot of resources must be deployed to determine the refugee status of people. So once that's done, you filter, obviously, people that are migrants, economic migrants. You can easily just, you know, you can look at countries where, which countries are experiencing issues. I mean, you can make determinations much quicker. And then once that's obviously narrowed down, then you have a smaller pool of people that you should also provide services and essentially quicker in the process. I don't think anybody minds going through the the process. Essentially, if you could just actually adhere to what is stipulated in any of the <laughs> in, in, in any of the guiding um, the guiding principles, or uh, if you could stick to what the regulation or what legislation even says, uh, I think, yeah. That, that would make things much easier. It's lovely to hear your enthusiasm, Felix. So I'm wondering what you look forward to as a South African citizen. There's a psychological advantage in, okay, I belong somewhere. And then they also, and also the fact now you can participate politically, you can actually say something. You don't, you're not just... Uh, person, a voiceless individual. So you can participate in the political process if you are so inclined. But uh, And then also now you, there are practical advantages in 
now you can be selected for jobs or you know you cannot you're not unfairly discriminated anymore i think yeah when you have been a refugee or permanent when you have been in that such a state for 25 years it's it's, it's definite relief uh, that comes with the knowledge that now you belong somewhere yeah sure. there's a very good feeling so as a south african citizen Felix is looking forward to getting a sense of belonging and being able to participate in political life. He also speaks about the advantage of being protected by the state if trapped in another country. I asked the same question of the two young women, Marilyn and Aurora, who are now in the process of acquiring citizenship in Canada. Okay. Um, so my experience or idea of nationalization, as someone who most of my life I've never known what it meant to be a citizen or to be someone with a state. It never I only knew the life of a refugee and now that I know what it's like to be some part of a, city, a, a country, it's an amazing feeling to be accepted and to be a part of something. And it does not mean that I was anything less than when I wasn't. It does not mean that I'm less capable. And it just means that it added to my history. And if I had anything to say to anybody who was um, who is a refugee right now in South Africa and also who lives, who has gone and passed that stage. I want to, I want to let them know that their future is theirs and their experiences as a refugee will follow them and make them stronger and will also inform every decision they make for the better because nobody has that kind of experience. In my life living here in Canada, I've met so many people who lived as refugees and all of the skills and the experiences has only been an asset to them. So I would say, please, please do not ever think less of yourself just because you think you're a refugee. If anything, it makes you stronger for your life and the future will always be brighter than the past that you came through. And I believe in that. And I do wanna visit South Africa one day. I do wanna come back home and visit. Um, because it's still a big part of my life, and I am grateful for the life I lived there. So having a citizenship for me, um, it means that I finally belong to somewhere. I left uh, Rwanda at the age of 13. I had no identification do document other than uh, whatever my mom had on her. So... In South Africa, I had the refugee status, which was uh, mostly um, degrading and you could not get many things with the refugee status. Even getting a bank account was really a struggle. Uh, but here with a permanent residence uh, card and um, it gives me access to a lot of things. So the day I get my citizenship, the one, the Number one thing I'm looking forward to will be being able to travel, uh, being able to go to other countries or even if I don't go, just knowing that I have access to that is really a big moment for me. And uh, the most important is the fact that I'll belong somewhere finally. The feeling that at last you belong somewhere
Thank you for listening to the second episode of Human Rights Live. Listening to the experiences of refugees who attempt to naturalize in South Africa leaves one incensed and enraged. Everyone has the right to nationality. It is enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Yet, refugees do not have effective citizenship. The 1951 United Nations Convention for Refugees, of which South Africa is a signatory, urges states to facilitate and expedite the process of naturalization for eligible refugees. South Africa's legal pathway to naturalization has been extremely long, complicated and uncertain. Many applicants spent decades living in such uncertainty. The recent amendment to the Refugees Act, whereby a refugee has to wait 10 years to apply for certification, is now rendering access to naturalization impossible. This is inhumane and against the spirit of the Refugee Convention and the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa. On World Refugee Day 2023, we draw your attention to this intolerable situation and we urge the South African government to facilitate and expedite the process of naturalization for eligible refugees. Join us for our third podcast in August to celebrate Women's Month in South Africa. We thank all our listeners for tuning in. We thank the contributors to this podcast, the production team, and the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation Southern Africa office that is making this series of podcasts possible.